This is exactly right. Hello. We want to take a second to tell you about one of our favorite podcasts, Disgraceland. If you like music, pop culture, and true crime, this is the podcast for you. Through host Jake Brennan's deeply researched storytelling, you'll hear all about the lives and crimes of musicians like Jerry Lee Lewis, Jay-Z, The Rolling Stones, and so many more. And now Disgraceland is expanding to include artists, actors, athletes, and other icons from Anthony Bourdain to Andy Warhol. Full episodes are released every Tuesday. Check out Disgraceland on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Goodbye. Welcome to my favorite murder. That's Georgia Hartstark. That's Karen Kilgariff. Hi, guys. <laughs> here we are once again. Just a couple Doing of friends. You. And here we go. <laughs> Recording a podcast for you. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> okay. You know what we should shout out? Huh? May I, may I suggest? Please. It's basically almost... Very soon coming up on the one year anniversary mm-hmm. of fucking coronavirus. <laughs> of the, <laughs> the pandemic. Of the world and the beginning <sighs> of the lockdown. We made I it. I mean, we're making it look. Cause le- should we just be a little honest? The last time we went to record, it was <laughs> a bumpy ride for both of us. We and- got 20 minutes in and I said, <laughs> should we just put up a lot? It was like, it was dark thing after dark thing that was just like no one wants to hear dark thing after dark thing it was it was like it's it was exactly the opposite of what you would go oh i'm gonna listen to a podcast right. for whatever your 17 reasons might be yeah. none of them were on this list of this <laughs> stuff we started talking about and it was that kind of thing where it was almost like an amazing example of anti-conversation where we both had like our own agendas and it was just like well i want to uh, 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 and then well, we shouldn't do goes, that we shouldn't do what you're what you're saying is not what we should be doing right now well, uh, okay well can i say something and then it turned and then georgia goes uh I'm not into this. Can we do a live show? And I was like, yes, that's that the was solution. such a relief because there was part of me that like just wanted to close my computer and walk away because I was like, this yeah. is so depressing right now. And it I was don't awful. Know. And then I and then we just kept both doubling down and being like, well, did you watch this? And like, well, did you fucking <laughs> did you drown your sorrows in this? <laughs> did you learn this lesson from this documentary? It was just like, yeah. could could we? <gasps> somehow reapproach why we love to do this and it's not about listing shows we watch on streaming no, services it's not and, and i think that's what like everyone is like we're all just like we have nothing left to give you but um suggestions for what is is distracting us from the past year like it's we so haven't done anything else it's mo it's much more fun to talk about real things that we can both get into instead of like well did you watch it or didn't you that's what this that's what all podcasts should be called let me challenge you did you or not watch it and the answer is always going to be no because we watch completely different fucking styles of everything yes however however did you watch (laughs) (laughs) 
This is the only one I have to ask. The Woody Allen is a is a clear and present child molester documentary. I did not. Allegedly, I did not. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about it next time. <laughs> Sorry, I no, it's good. I didn't that's watch what, it. exactly what we're not doing. Moving on. I mean, no, and I not to shut you down no, no, and no. not to oh, be uh, conversationally negative. Oh. Here, oh, look <gasps> who wants to be in the conversation. It's George. What's up? That's the first time she's ever like actually put her no, her her muzzle into the conversation. You know why I made a deadly mistake? What you do? I usually feed them before I start recording. Oh. She's like, "Excuse me, my uh, I'm wearing a swatch and it says six ten right now. I will be with you shortly. I'm wearing a shark a shark watch, and I hear you speaking." And it's I hear, really I see that you've pulled your uh your pocket watch out of your yeah. vest pocket. Mom, I've been learning about boundaries and I just want you to know I've been really been triggered <laughs> lately. I feel like everyone's going through a point in therapy because it's so quiet in our lives. You know, there's like outside noise and desperation. <laughs> but yes. like inner our inner lives are quiet. And so the my ther okay, so all right. So I Vince and I are in the in, in Ventura, California. On um, just I'm calling it um, an an Airbnb breather. That's not mm-hmm. good. That's not great. Um, I'm working on it, but it's basically it's basically the idea of let's go stare at different walls because we're yes. so fucking sick of the walls we've been staring at. Yeah. And my therapist was like, "You're not allowed to read or listen to any self help books or podcasts on your trip because you've just got to stop it." And you just yeah. need to read something fun and you're trying to absorb way too much like self-help learning shit. And sometimes yeah. it just needs to ruminate. What was my point? That's a good. Well, no, that that's the point in and of itself. Yeah. That's a really good point. It's like, but you know what it is? You're you basically went to the coast to like basically have a different experience. So you actually have to be in that experience. Yeah. Not trying to fix past experiences while you're having a present. Right. One. Not constantly being like, yeah, I canceled my second appointment of the week in therapy. And I'm just like, here we are. Uh, I yeah. love that you were like, what the fuck is she doing in Ventura? Like, it doesn't make any. It, it's actually a lovely little beach beachside town. Look, I wasn't like trying to be judgmental about Ventura. It's just <laughs> like, it's just basically like the it's it's not a destination yeah. <laughs> where you when you said that I was like, she must have a cousin that lives there. Something like that. That's the vibe it had. It's to the, me. it's the quieter, less pretentious. No offense. Santa Barbara. Yes. So that's what I it, forgot that it's right there it's on an the hour away. We, I mean, we really like it here. It's like the one safe thing you can do is either go camping or go to the beach, right. like go to the coast, the empty ocean. So right. nice right. one. Thanks. I mean, that's really nice. Yeah. I mean, go suck up some of those, the negative ions, get that good clean yeah, air. The walls are so different over here. There's fucking, <laughs> there's like a sea fish seaside uh, motif going on with this Airbnb person knows who they're fucking selling to yeah they're it's like great. you we know you're here for this big mouth bass or whatever. yeah there's a palm the frond in the middle oh and we left the puppy at home with our incredible trainer so we're leaving the puppy at home to be better by the time we get back like nothing feels better <laughs> good <right> luck <laughs> yeah thank you so the puppy's supposed to get uh be less of a puppy in two days <laughs> well can may i yeah yeah sarah we believe in you <laughs> Um, oh, speaking of decor, can I have, can I do one suggestion? 
or what I found that's made me really Ooh. happy. This can be decor corner because I can actually tell you what oh, to. Great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, I've told you about like, um, what was it called? Cottage core. <laughs> Thank you. Cottage core. <laughs> and I've told you about. Do you know why I, knew I could, could do that? Why? Because there's only so many topics we've talked about. <laughs> It's you know only, the thing there was a, eight months there was ago that yeah, was one exactly. of the three I things I talked word about. You said to me, I remember every word. Okay, well, there's cottage core. I've talked to you about beekeeping and the new <laughs> hashtag obsession I have that I didn't know I was until I saw it is called hashtag clutter core, and it's just pro, pro clutter, clutter core, or hashtag maximalism, and it's just Uh-oh. people like me. You've been in my fucking house that are just yeah. tchotchke addicts. Mm-hmm. And uh, these people, it's me. It's just, sh- it's, and I felt so guilty about it for so long. It's just shit everywhere. Like you fill your house with clutter, but it's Hell like yeah. meaningful clutter. It's vintage clutter, which you and I both love. And I, I suddenly am like, oh, I don't feel guilty about it anymore. It's an aesthetic. It's like every single piece that you see in my house, you can point to, and I'll tell you a story about it. It's yeah. just like, it feels good. So look up clutter core. Or Clutter cores. It's basically somebody's risen up against Marie Kondo. They're just like, we will not right. suffer under the lash yeah. of this minimalism anymore. Listen, I touch every single thing and they're all haunted and they give me joy and fuck you about it. Yeah, fuck not, you about I mean, it for sure. She seems really nice. So like not fuck you, but just like back off. No, not fuck her. Back off. Well, you just get to like what you like the end. And I think Marie would, I think that's what Marie's actually deeply all about. She's right. just kind of like figure out what you like and then do that. <laughs> all I can think of this when, so we tried to record yesterday and, uh, my, uh, Wi-Fi went out like old school style and it was, <laughs> it felt like I was lying. I kept texting, so funny. accusing Georgia you were of texting accusing like, me. You were texting <laughs> like, I'm not screenshots lying. of like, it's not worth, like it's saying like, we don't like you right now and screenshots of it. And then you're like, I'm not lying. I'm not lying, Georgia. I am not. But it felt like the classic live. Like, sorry, my Wi-Fi's totally, out anyway. Bye. Totally. <laughs> but as I texted Stephen of like, holy shit, I can't get this. I can't do that. Whatever. Stephen texted back a Marie Kondo um, gif. And it's her going, I love mess. And it made me laugh <laughs> so hard. Damn Again, it. Stephen is the yes. king of the Ugh. king of the gifts. Uh. So good. I love, I love mess. <laughs> I was going to say, do you see my room? Ri- yes. It's just literally stacks of dinosaur toys. Steven is hashtag cluttercore to Hell the yeah. cluttercore. To the dinosaur um, bone. Now, if you are less interested in cluttercore or you're still looking, you're neither minimalist nor maximalist uh-huh. and you're not sure. My friend Dave Mesmer, who um, you've, I'm sure <laughs> I've told many, many stories about. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was my roommate in college and in LA. He's the one that lip synced Groove is in the Heart that time we were really stoned and he wouldn't stop. Um, I think about love you, that Dave. a lot, actually. <laughs> he's one of the funniest people of all time. Thank you. And uh, he told me about um, a, this Danish concept called Heige. Heige is the way he pronounced it, but I don't, I don't think that's accurate. Okay. But it's essentially the Danish way of living, which is about being cozy. Uh, and there's, oh, I'm thinking immediately of this really thick cable knit, like obscenely large knit cable knit uh, blankets. 
Yes. And hot cocoa. That's one of the things they were like, wrap a blanket around you. You get it cut. You drink <gasps> soup or drink a big cup of tea. Oh, soup in like a big, mug. thick socks. That's what it's all about. And all there's right. a book. I haven't read it, but is the first thing that came up. And that's what every, when I looked it up, when he and I were talking about it, it's mm-hmm. called The Little Book of Haig, H- Danish Secrets to Happy Living. H-Y-G-G-E. Okay. H-Y-G-G-E. And the author is Mike, M-E-I-K. Wiking, W-I-K-I-N-G. Oh, hopefully. <laughs> you were saying his last name was Mike. Mike, Mike? I don't get Mike. it. Mike? <laughs> and it might be a woman. We don't know. Okay. But that's I lovely. love that idea because remember um, when we were in, um, we were somewhere, I think we were in Amsterdam mm-hmm. and we stayed in the in that hotel where I was like, I want this as an apartment. Oh, yeah. And it was just like everything was just perfectly. Definitely. Tiley. Color. Everything about Medi- it. Was, it was almost Mediterranean. How like. Yeah. How perfect it was. Yeah. The tiles, the yeah, colors, yeah, yeah. the everything about it was so perfect. And I feel like. Oh, I'm going to look this, that It's up. that vibe. It's okay. that vibe. I'm going to do the hashtag for sure. Um, I get- there is a I do when we bought our house it had a wood burning fireplace which I know is like whenever you look at houses online it's like wood burning fire like original wood burning fireplace but we immediately turned it into a gas fireplace because I was just like I just want to fucking turn it on when I want to turn it on like to me that's the like height of luxury the height of luxury (laughs) so I know that like it kind of probably dinged our house a little bit like on the market but who gives a shit it was it was fucking like now we just light fires all the time well, okay. uh, yeah. And also in L.A., p- just don't light fires because you'll burn everything down. Right. That's, it's also really bad for so the environment. Is. So leave me alone, you, uh, hash- you hashtag fireplace purists. Um, let me say this. OK. Um, let's talk about another positive something that's happening on social media that's very positive. Our friend Kyle Russell, who has been <sighs> doing the lip syncs of us. Jesus. And he just keeps churning them out. And each one funnier than the yeah. last. There was one I just watched. It's. And I said this before, Kyle, thank you for making me like and appreciate my own thing, because that's the part of this that is difficult is sometimes I just go like, I don't want to hear my own voice anymore. I don't want to think me. about it anymore. Yeah. It's the difficult thing. And it's like I watch that and it makes me love us. Oh, my where God. I'm like, yeah. Oh. And there was one where you're talk. He's doing you talking over here, and as I'm answering yes. you, he's putting on lip gloss <laughs> with black nail funniest. polish. Yes. With black nail polish, on. Uh, he's so good. And then he just did the one uh, where we're talking about baby Donna, <laughs> and he does it with um, a person named Courtney, who's at court underscore Agnew. It's so funny. It, it's like yeah. it's that TikTok thing that I. It makes me feel like I'm 80 years old uh-huh. when I watch it. Or I'm like, do look at me. the children. Do at me, which is rad, yeah. a rad concept. Very cute. Which so thank you, you guys. Um, what's his name? Dave Hill. Do you know Dave Hill? Are you oh, friends with him? Uh huh. So yep, yep. that reminds me of the duet me thing, which is like a thing on TikTok where like one person will either like do an acting thing and you can act against them on your own and record it or like play music. So right. Dave Hill, who's a fucking hilarious comedian who also happens to be a like shred on guitar in a way that like doesn't make sense and isn't fair. He's um, amazing. He did a duet me with Ed Sheeran. It's on yep. his Instagram and TikTok where Ed Sheeran's like, duet me and starts strumming his little guitar. And then Dave Hill comes in and fucking turns it into a metal <laughs> song. That's the most like, just like, like, na- like nail work, hand finger work. I've never seen in my life. It was so badass. 
He's the best. Yeah. He's in genuinely a hilarious, hilarious He's comedian so as funny. well. He's so funny. Yeah. Love um, Dave Hill. If you want to watch another, you know, our obsession with, um, spe- what's the speed washing called? Oh, power washing. Power washing. So I follow this woman now on Instagram who found her calling. It's really interesting. Her name is Lady Tafos, T-A-P-H-O-S. She found her calling in, um, not it's not power washing because she uses all natural th- ingredients and 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 like really gives care and love into cleaning old vintage um headstones oh yes like mm-hmm. uh, cemetery and she does you know like she'll do um slaves who died hundreds of years ago and like tell their story and just like really caretake these old you know moss covered dirt covered stones that you can barely read and then cleans them and i didn't realize that it was like a thing that called to her that she had to do after her divorce and so there's this podcast called divorce club podcast where they just talk to people who've who went through divorces and what, you know, how they came out on the other side. That's really awesome as well. So I recommend that as well. Okay. Like a really beautiful thing of like, yeah, I was watching, I saw one of those cause it got, I somehow saw it on Twitter and it is incredibly satisfying mm. because it's like a cleaning video, like a power washing video. But then the thing underneath is like historical, yeah. a beautiful mini monument to a person that may not have been even seen exactly. because there was all that stuff covering it. And you, you know, yeah, I love that project. It's, it's like a nice little really tribute. cool. Tri- yeah, it's, it's really nice. Totally. You know what I was going to mention is <laughs> since we're just going to do, I mean, what else can we do? We can't. This is all we can do. <laughs> and you're really like, what is life but suggestions? But it's a series of suggestions right. to yourself and others. And to your friends. What do you do <laughs> if you hang out with friends? You suggest <laughs> things to them. That's right. This, if you liked the book Attached, which I recommended yes. a, a, about a month ago, which I loved and it felt like I blazed through it so quickly. Another, There's another book that actually goes a little bit deeper and breaks it down a little bit more mm. because the, and it's it's kind of full circle because um, I, I, I know I'm going to say her last name wrong again. Cara Lowen Thiel or Thiel mm-hmm. who hosts Unfuck Your Brain mm-hmm. which is the other podcast I recommended. I listened to an episode she did where she talked about she kind of believes in attachment theory, but believes there's more to it and then recommended this book. Okay. And this is a book called Insecure in Love by Leslie (gasps) Becker Phelps. I own that because a friend went to um, couples therapy and they and she immediately her therapist was like, y'all need to read this. shit." (laughs) Yes. Insecure in Love. Yes. It's fascinating. And it is the detail work. You know what it is? Everybody wants some kind of a like how the fuck do you do this? Like, yeah. how do you maintain a relationship with a person? How do you actually past, past the initial, what everyone totally. likes part where you're like, you're attractive. You talk the way I like. This is fun. We're the same. Oh, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. yeah. Mi- mi- milestones. And then it's like real. Life. I totally get that. And when you get past, when you yeah. get past that, it's like, then when the problems come up, it's like, bah, fuck it. Yeah. Or whatever your approach is. Right. These, it's like actually, 
helpful information about why people do the things they do. So if you need that or you liked the other book, Insecure in Love by Leslie Becker Phelps. I think a good thing to remember, too, is that like nobody has that easy. You look around at other couples and you're like, how are they? They're such a perfect couple. They're so good at it. And that's like just an impossible it's impossible. Every couple has things. Some couples are really lucky that they found someone whose attachment style exactly mirrors them, but it's not, it's never easy. So everyone right, has right. that. If you're thinking that about anybody, it's because you're, it's, you're on Instagram and you're also <laughs> probably lightly high because everyone is different yeah. levels of miserable. Let's just admit it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, oh, what was I just going to say based on that? Was it a book? Uh, probably. Um, listen, uh, let's see. Library. Uh, Look, listen, I'm listening to a podcast called Through the Cracks, which I highly recommend, which is a true crime podcast. That's a really important story. Through the Cracks? Yeah, Through the Cracks. It's really powerful and really well done. What network is it on? It's on WAMU. Cool. What else did they do? I need a new one. Yeah, this one's important and powerful and it's great. Uh, oh, it was Nina Simone's birthday last weekend. Oh. She's a great singer and uh, activist and amazing, like a prodigy piano player. And a bunch of people were posting different tweets about her. And um, it reminded me of the great. So Liz Garbus, who directed I'll Be Gone in the Dark, mm. she directed a documentary about Nina Simone, um, like I think five or more years ago. Yeah. And it's called What Happened, Miss Simone. And um, if you like Nina Simone or you're interested in both amazing uh, music and kind of like s- civil rights action. She is just this incredible badass that I feel like should, I wish she was known more. So, um, if you haven't seen that documentary by Liz Garbus, you absolutely should. Say the name of it again. It's so good. What happened? Miss Simone. Okay. It's about her whole life. It's just really mind blowing. Amazing. Yeah. What do you think? Should we do exactly right news? All right. Well, it, lots of great stuff. Ha- so much great stuff happening on Exactly Right um, this week that we're just going to do a quick rundown of everything. So on this podcast, we'll kill you. They're talking about hum- human papilloma viruses, HPV. Very important. Everyone needs to know about that. That's right. And the Murder Squad was included in the Newsweek Top 25 True Crime Podcast of 2021, which is really exciting, along with Tenfold yeah. More Wicked and My Favorite Murder. Hi. And uh, Monday's episode... They- have Melissa McCarty and Kelly McLear from uh, the Killer Jeans podcast. Then on Lady to Lady, they have Annalie Ashford from Masters of Sex and Kinky Boots on Broadway. And then on That's Messed Up, their special guest is comedian Margaret Cho. Yep. Um, Friend of the pod. Yep. Friend of the network. Friend of America. (laughs) Uh, uh, And comedian Jay Jordan is on I Said No Gifts with Bridger this week. He's hilarious. And on I Saw What You Did, Millie and Danielle discuss I'm going to get you sucker and don't be a menace for a Wayans family double feature. So make sure to check that out. And then also we're going to we're having new podcasts rolling out all the time. So keep informed by uh, 
by following at exactly right on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We love bringing you guys podcasts. It's like kind of our dream come true. So it really is. And we're, we have lots of stuff, um, coming down the pike these days. So, um, it's very exciting. Yeah. Also, we have new merch, yeah. uh, those flasks and koozies that people really love and need these days. Yeah, there's a fucking hooray and uh, this is terrible. Keep it going because you need a flask. <laughs> I think everyone needs a flask that says that. <laughs> so go to myfavoritemurder.com. The shop is on there. And I mean, there's such there's so much cool shit. Shout out to the merch team. They really they really churn out the hits and we appreciate it so much. We really do. Yeah. Um, and it's getting less terrible. Let's be let's be that way about it. Sure. This, fucking, this fly is going to kill me. <laughs> let's um, be that way about it. <laughs> let's be that way about it from now on. <laughs> OK. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into, whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve. The key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines. And June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. All right. Speaking of sanity, we're putting up a quilt episode today. I yep, love doing yep. this because like I look at the list of, sh of like live show episodes and stories we've done. And it's such a pity that these don't get to be told because they're in a random live episode. So now they do. And we did. Yeah, know. there's no pity. We're fucking no. taking back the night. That's and right. We did 
so much fucking work That's on right. them. Plus the work, not only the work we did of the, the work and the performance, but then the work Ugh. the audience did of showing up Ugh. and coming, being so good to us the entire time. Time after time. Time oh. after time. Can I shout Cindy out Lopper. Sloan? Cindy Lopper? Yeah. Sloan at Petco. I want to give her a shout out for recognizing Cookie, even though I was covered up in my uh, face mask and, and shabby chic clothes that are just shabby. And I turn a corner and she goes, Cookie! And it was the first time I had like run into a murderino in like over a year at that point. Aww. And so I was so happy to see her. She was so sweet. So thanks, Sloan. Uh, nice. it, it reminded me of live shows. And I was like, I want to hug you, but I can't come near <laughs> you. Uh, all right. So this is from the Vic Theater in Chicago, beautiful Chicago. So this is the Browns Chicken Massacre, which was uh, a mass murder that occurred on January 8th, 1993 in Palatine, Illinois. And I just it's just a horrible one of those stories that are like, you know, who had the fucking gall to do this? And the way that the killers are caught is just a, a miraculous thing. So this story, yeah. I'm I'm so glad I get to post it and tell it because I just it's it's an incredible awful heroic story listen yeah uh, we're gonna do the Brown's chicken massacre <laughs> so we've gotten a lot of um, tweets and emails about why won't you fucking do this yeah so well they're about to find out because it's horrifying okay that's what we're here for. Um, on January 8th, 1993, seven people were closing Brown's Chicken and Pasta in Palatine, a northwest suburb of Chicago, Illinois. Palatine, everybody. Palatine. Palatine. Did that, someone say that? It's Palatine. <laughs> Sorry. Um, who, by the way, like their 1986 commercial is Steve Carell. What? Like, like hosting it as like the owner of this Brown's chicken. <laughs> Are you serious? Carell. <laughs> was he so good and funny? He was so cute. He looks exactly the same. It's yeah, that just... guy's that guy's kind of scary. Actually, yeah, he's a vampire. He's insanely talented. He doesn't age. Yeah, you heard he's it here first. Never, never not funny. Yeah. Uh, vampire. We hate him. <laughs> Spreading rumors. Uh, at this, okay, so Chicago, the story, the store owners were Richard and Lynn uh, Ellenfelt, who had spent their life savings to buy this franchise. The two uh, daughter, their two daughters were scheduled to be at the restaurant that night working, but instead Guadalupe Maldonado, Michael C. Castro, and Rico L. Solis, um, the latter two are Palatine High School students who were working there uh, part-time. One was a high school senior who just moved from the Philippines to escape the violence, and his Filipino-American friend, a high school junior who wanted to be a Marine. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as Thomas Menas and Marcus Nielsen, Nelson, who were working the closing shift. So inside, the fryers have been shut off, the floors are mopped, everything's being closed down for the night, and the employees are finishing up, and uh, as they're closing, a Ford Tempo pulls up, carrying two men, and the Ellenfelts had a policy that they allowed last-minute customers to order. They were nice fucking people. Yeah, that's, oh. I know. That's the nicest people when you go up and you're like, go, please, please. I'm so hungry. Please, I just... Can you... Do you want me to do I it? I can't open this fucking water. I'm this is the trick water I put out for oh, you. Karen! I should have known. It wasn't a trick water. 
everyone's like, I want to get trick water. She's such a practical joker. <laughs> um, so the, the, one of them orders uh, a fucking four-piece chicken meal. And they go to sit down and eat it. What? <laughs> fucking four-piece like, chicken meal. Like, what the meal. fuck? Who does that? Like, first of all, it's What's so that, shitty. too many pieces? What's the problem? It's just, they're closing the store. I don't, oh, oh, I yeah, don't yeah. go into, like, a clothing store a half hour before they close because, you know, every, every single hanger has been, like, you know, meticulously, and then you're just like, I want a shirt for tomorrow, <laughs> you're a fucking asshole. I know, but once you're in that door and they actually let you in, then you're just like, um, okay, I'm gonna get coleslaw, um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. two beans. No, that's such a dick move. So, okay, so they, they sit down to eat their fucking food. It's like, at least take yeah, it that's to go. Lame. That is super lame. Yeah, but they're not there for chicken. Okay. Um, it's the final day sale. It's rung up at 9.08 p.m. And as eight minutes past closing, and as they eat in a booth, everyone continues their last-minute closing rituals. By 11 p.m. that night, the families of the workers are starting to worry that their sons haven't come home. And after driving by Brown's, which is dark inside, um, although Castro's car is still in the parking lot, it's about 11.45 um, and police say, but they, he calls the police at 11.45, but police say the log, in the log it says it's called at 1.02 a.m., so there's a discrepancy mm-hmm. there. Um, after many attempts by the families of all these boys to get the police to take their worries seriously, because they're like, they went and had sandwiches and booze, and they're like, they don't drink so, uh. or eat sandwiches. Um, <laughs> I'm guessing, wrong I'm and guessing wrong. that part. Yeah. Um, including going to the police station to file a missing persons report, uh, Castro's father returns to Brown's a third time, along with Guadalupe uh, Maldonado's brother, who was also worried after Guadalupe hadn't come home to tuck his sons in, as was his ritual. Um, And they also had a police officer with them. It's just after 3 a.m., and they finally try the green employee entrance door, which is open unexpectedly. And inside, they spot uh, a jacket hanging just inside. And that's when Guadalupe's brother spots an arm poking out of the walk-in freezer door. It's propped open. There's blood on the tile floor. And the officer sees it, gets the men out of there, saying, this is a crime scene. Mm -hmm. Um, When all is said and done, seven people were dead. The assailants stole less than $2,000 from the restaurant. Uh. The case remained unsolved for nearly, nearly nine years. Oh, let's get the photo of the, um, the f- restaurant. We have like two photos. So that's it. And then there's another one. Uh, there we go. Yeah, that's it. Uh, okay. Fuck, man. So the case, oh, and then let's. What, sorry, what year was it? Uh, 1993. Oh, recently. Yeah. The case remained. <laughs> Recently? Is that what you're loving? That wasn't a slam. I, I was sorry. I was, like, what, what a shitty truck. Is that what you thought I was saying? I, I wasn't. I think it's that it was recently, and because we're both like, that was 10 years ago. Oh. <laughs> oh, I get it. You know what I mean? It's not like 1986. Sorry, what year is it? <laughs> Fuck. Uh. I'm stone cold sober. I swear to God. I swear to you. I will vouch for you. <laughs> it's true. I'm the fucked up one. Real fucked up. Peyote. She's back on me. <laughs> do people still do peyote? I'm on peyote. That'd be amazing to do peyote before a show. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just going to see what it opens up. 
Yeah. Look, a coyote. <laughs> I'm like, you could have just had a glass of champagne. No, I won't drink on stage. I want to do a peyote. It's natural. Okay. Everyone's like, the four boyfriends are like, they're in the middle of a really fucking depressing story. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is wrong with them? It's inappropriate is what it is. Dan... Kevin and Kevin and Dave. We apologize well, you're to you. You're right. You're right. It's We're inappropriate. Sorry. Your feelings get so hurt all the time. Listen, your girlfriend is not at fault. She usually listens on her way to work. What? What about the other night we were at, at uh, a meet and greet? A girl leaned over to George and goes, I'm on a Tinder date right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, this is the last one of the year. Say goodbye to him. Yeah. <laughs> that was cute. I like when you get excited to tell me something. You do nails. Yeah, I have to do nails. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I like it. It's, it's intense. I, I'm used to not being listened to as a youngest child. <laughs> so, like, in my family, if you were like, Mom, Dad, or whatever, they, they could, it was as if nothing was happening. You have to be like, I will Pinch. drop blood from you. <laughs> Another thing I wouldn't have noticed about myself until right now. What a great experience and journey that we're on together. <laughs> Back into the mass murder, okay. The case remained unsolved for nearly nine years until 2002, when uh, Anne Lockett came forward and implicated her former boyfriend, James Degorski, and his friend, Juan Luna. Um, it's lead 4,842 in the murder investigation. Is that crazy? Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how long after? How many years after? Nine. Fuck. Okay. That's such a long time to it, wait. It is. Uh, Lockett says she, told, uh, she was told about the massacre over a pot smoking session. Guys, that would freak me out so bad. Oh my God, can you imagine? I'm like, tr I'm trying to play Mario Kart. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, I think a, a lot of us are like, yeah, no murder shit during pot. That does, no. that, those two things don't go together. I can't even watch planet Earth without freaking the fuck <laughs> out. <laughs> right? <laughs> There's a lot of true crime in planet Earth, though. I swear <laughs> to God. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of those. <clears throat> she said that they said that they wanted to do something big. Um, Juan Luna was a former employee of the restaurant, so he would have known that they serve people, you know what I mean? And he had, but he had left on good terms for a new job a couple months earlier, so they, he was questioned but wasn't suspected. But according to Ann Lockett, he knew there would be money in the store, and uh, he was 18 at the time of the murders. He was now, nine years later, married with a young son. Um, the details of the murder came out, and here are the details. Okay. Lynn uh, Eldenfelt, who was 49, the, the owner, she was the first victim when her throat was slashed. Mm. And she, they're all, so two of them are in a freezer, like walk-in freezer at the time, getting everything together to close. And then the murderers put that four of them in another walk-in freezer and throw Lynn after her fucking throat is slashed into that freezer. Can you fucking um. imagine being like, we're getting robbed. And then you're like, oh no. This is bigger than that. Yeah. And you have a panic attack. What the fuck? Um, so then uh, Marcus Castro, who's the youngest victim at 16, was shot six times 
um, and then and and Guadalupe Maldonado's 46, Enrico Salas, who's 17, had bullet wounds in the back of their heads. And Thomas Menace, who's 32, was shot twice in the upper back and once in the temple. And then Richard uh, Ellenfeld, 50, was shot five times. Ew. So, in April 2002, the Palatine Police Department matched the DNA sample. Are you ready for this? Yeah. So, she she says it's Juan Luna. The DNA sample from... Are you ready for... What the fuck? I, I demand that there be a towel on the table tonight. At all times, yeah. so I can shake it a at you. A punctuation towel. <laughs> this is awful. They find the DNA from the, the eaten chicken that was thrown in the garbage can. Oh, shit. On the night of the murder. Yes, you a, stupid fucks. Especially because, and I was like, did they test all the chicken bones? They had already taken the trash out because they were closing. Oh, my God. And so they threw their chicken in there. They took the DNA. Uh, I'm sorry, but those cops were like, thank fucking God. Yeah, They're like, it's 93. I don't know what this is for. I'm going to take it anyways. Chicken bone. Yeah. Chicken bone. Yeah. No, not that one. <laughs> Some skin. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, he eats dark Ugh. meat. What a monster. <laughs> then, yeah. Isn't that fucked up? Yes. The chicken was, okay. The, and the chicken was supposedly kept in the freezer for most of the time since the crime. The Palatine Police Department took the two suspects into custody on May 16th, 2002, and Luna confesses to the crime during an interrogation, um, although a lawyer would later claim that he was coerced to do so through corporal punishment and threats of deportation. Um, then they both go to trial. So uh, Luna's put on trial in 2007. He's found guilty of seven counts of murder, and he's sentenced to life in prison without parole in May, on May 17th. 2007. The state had sought... No, it gets shitty. Uh, Just when you thought. Yeah, this isn't the end. There's two more. Okay. Uh, (laughs) But a lot of that is her poetry. (laughs) Now that she has you here. Uh, (laughs) It's just guar lyrics. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to the words. It's actually really beautiful. Okay, the state had sought the death penalty, which was available at the time, but the jury voted 11 to 1 in favor. Uh, They fell short 11 to 1. So one person was like, no. Can't do it. Then, so James Degorski, the other guy, was found guilty September 2009 on all seven counts of of murder, but it's largely based on the testimony of Ann Lockett, because there's no physical evidence, as well as a friend of hers. Um, and they both said that he had confessed to them. And then October 20th, 2009, he sentenced to life in prison without parole. Again, a couple of the jurors voted no to the death penalty. Okay. Um, so now it gets fucking fucked up. So it's, it turns out that there's a petition in the circuit court that, lock, that Lockett, Ann Lockett, misled jurors into believing that she had a much closer relationship with Degorski at the time of the crime than she actually did. They say that she was... Sorry, is there a live sheep in here? (laughs) Because that's not cool at all. Now, I don't know if... (laughs) Was that Oprah goat? That was the weirdest fucking sound. (laughs) Creepy. Haunted. I'm telling you, this place is haunted. Let's not make noises like that, guys. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I don't know how much of this I believe, and it's really complicated, but <clears throat> supposedly people say she wasn't dating him at the time, people meaning their lawyers, I'm sure, um, and that she was actually involved with a man she had met while both were hospitalized for psychiatric issues. And So basically all the dirt's coming up on yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. So then, uh, let's see, he says, that man in a sworn statement says that she had never mentioned Degorski or his involvement in the murders, and instead he says that uh, she had called him a few months after their own breakup asking if he knew anything about the murders. He said, she told me that whoever came forward with information would be entitled to reward money and that if I heard who might have done the murders, I should contact her. And then, uh, yeah, and it turns out that soon after that conversation, he was inexplicably questioned, inexplicably questioned three separate times about his involvement. Um, the woman, let's see, so. The Cook County jury was also never told that Lockett would split nearly $100,000 reward money with her friend that had also... Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. So the... That's uh, a lot of pot. <laughs> you could buy fucking like six bags of pot with them. Yeah. Okay. And then really quickly, I want to add this little part of a hometown murder that we got um, from Sam from Chicago said... Oh, my God. Um, there's more than one, probably. <laughs> <laughs> They would not get their answer. Uh, okay, my friend's neighbor called in a tip incriminating her then boyfriend, Juan Luna, mm. who worked at the churches back in high school. The police arrested him and his accomplice, but they say at the time um, they were at the Crosstown basketball game. So when they got questioned back in high school, they said that they were a basketball game. Um, and then uh, her friend, Sam's friend, said uh, that he was trying to get interviewed by the cops to let them know that he wasn't with both Luna and the other guy. He was just with Luna. Um, so she's saying that he has an alibi. And then, okay, almost done. March 2014, okay, here's fucked up. In March 2014, a jury awarded James Degorski $400,051 in compensation and punitive damages for having been beaten by a sheriff's department in Cook County Jail in May 2020, 20, 2002. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can do this. It didn't happen in the future. <laughs> I am not it. It was a future sheriff beating? Yeah. A lot of metal. So he got that much money when he was questioned by police. He got beaten and gave his confession then. He suffered facial fractures that required surgery, and the deputy was eventually dismissed. That's a little bit extreme. Um, and the, I guess the Palatine Police Department had obtained confessions to the slangs from at least five others who were never charged. So it's possible they had a, um, like a, you know, pattern? Pattern. Mm -hmm. um, Anyways, the bleed, the building, wow. <laughs> Something's happening. <laughs> How long does it take for um, peyote to kick in? I mean, <laughs> girl, I think you're right on time. Cool. Uh, the building was raised, the church's chicken, church's chicken. <laughs> Am I high? I swear. Did we start the gas too early? <laughs> I mean... There are podcasts who, podcasters who tour night after night, oh. and they handle their shit just fine. <laughs> I don't even... I've never even... Okay. Never, never seen a church's chicken? Never a church's chicken? <laughs> I don't. It was that sheep. It fucked you up. <laughs> I really did. It's your animal familiar coming to tell you to go to church's chicken. 
Uh, the building was torn down in April 2002 after having briefly been a dry cleaning establishment and then a deli and then standing vacant for many years. So another place you don't want to walk by on your way to the grocery store, like H.H. Holmes' Murder Castle. For real, uh, can you imagine working at that dry cleaner? And, or the uh, Chase branch that, was, that is now there? That evil fucking place. In the location? <laughs> You Let's, can't figure out why you have such bad vibes. You're like, was it the murder or is it just you fucking guys? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Big banks or murder? <laughs> I mean, we should dig up the ground in there too, just while we're at it. Yeah. Right. Um, so that was the Browns Chicken Massacre. I have, Thank you. <laughs> Yes, I agree to do this again with you sometime. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Goodbye. Nice. Yeah. And thank you, Chicago. We miss you. We haven't been there in so long. Mm. Our Chicago murderers have been there since early days. That's and, right. Uh, please know that that uh, we wish we could come back soon. We, we are hoping to come back very soon. Very soon. What do you got for us, Karen Kilgariff? Well, mine is from May 5th of 2019. Mm -hmm. It was this last time we were on the road. Oh, remember the time. <laughs> remember <laughs> our Dallas Irving, Texas show in yes. that huge play, that huge theater. Uh, we had the we had the best series of shows. I had um, cowboy boots and I accidentally flashed the audience my underpants. Yeah, I, th I said, George, are you wearing a circle? Is your dress have a circle skirt? And she went, it sure does. And spun in twirl. a circle. I did the best like childhood twirl. Yeah, but she, we were about eight <laughs> feet above the front row, and we, you just heard this. Ooh. <laughs> and I go, did I just flex? Stephen, do you think we can edit that in? Yeah, let me. Yeah, I can find it. Yeah, okay. From the top of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, please put that in. <laughs> so hilarious. So that'll you'll you'll get that experience first. Yeah. I guess spoiler alert. Yeah. But do you remember on our first tour ever, I had to borrow tights from you then, and I still have them in my drawer, hot pink tights. Oh, my God. From 2016. That's right. We go back three fucking years. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. We've laughed, we've grown, oh, we've loved. We've... I've taken two full pairs of George's tights. <laughs> and that's how you know something. <laughs> that's uh, how you know something. How, you how know about things? your outfit? Oh, this is... Yeah. Bow to your partner. Did I just show Bow you my your underwear? Neighbor. Did you really? And it was on the big screen. <laughs> oh no, I was wearing tights the last two nights I did that and no one saw my ass. Can we roll that tape back <laughs> on the big screen, please? <laughs> no, never again. <laughs> so this was an exciting show for us, not only for being there and for being on the road, but also because uh, our great hero journalist skip hollinsworth was Mm. in the audience that Mm -hmm. night and uh or he was in the audience the night before right and then i did his story or it was the night before and then he was in the next night whatever he He was was around we got to meet him on that weekend (laughs) yes yes but it was a real honor because oftentimes when we would do shows in texas for all the years that we've done live shows in texas we pull stories from the the amazing magazine texas monthly uh their journalists write these incredible you know like immersive deep dive stories about these different crimes that happen in texas and they've got some amazing ones that's right so this one is uh definitely one of my favorites it's by the legendary journalist skip hollinsworth it's this the story of the legendary bank robber cowboy bob so last night, if you were lucky enough to be here, we, uh, <laughs> that, no, I just mean it like, uh, we were so excited because, um, the, uh, true crime or I guess just general journalist yeah. Skip Hollinsworth was a secret special guest and he came out and chatted with everybody. And, um, my story tonight is entirely taken from an amazing article that he wrote for the legendary magazine, Texas Monthly. So good. Such a good fucking magazine. Do you ever do the thing where you read one article on their website and then at the bottom they're like, you might also like this. And then you're like, goodbye the rest of the day. It's my favorite. (laughs) I love it. It's so good. So this I got. It's a 2005 article by Skip Hollinsworth that was in the Texas Monthly about the legend of bank robber Cowboy Bob. I love this so much. I'm excited for this. Okay. Can we also say what a lovely human being Skip was? He came backstage afterwards with his kid and like her friends and he was just so nice. He's the best. Yeah. He has a really cool family. And he doesn't hate us. (laughs) Okay. I'm excited. (laughs) Okay. So one morning in May of 1991, a bearded man with a cowboy hat enters the American Federal Bank just off West Airport Freeway in Irving, Texas. What? Seriously? Yeah. I had a whole other one prepared, and then I started reading this article, and I was like, whoops, I have to switch <laughs> mine now. Um, when when it's her, his turn in line, he approaches the counter, he's greeted by the female teller, and without saying a word, he hands her a note, and that note says, this is a bank robbery. Give me your money. No marked bills or die packs. 
So the, hand, the teller hands him the cash, he calmly puts it into his bag, and then without looking around or blowing anything out of the ordinary is happening, he turns and very casually walks out of the bank. No one notices, no one but the teller know, knows that it's happening because he has none of the, the normal indicators of bank robbers, which is obviously you'd kind of check over your shoulder maybe or at least look out of the corner of your eye. Stick him up. <laughs> There's none of that. Stick him up. No. To- it's total silence. The entire thing happens in silence. Creepy. And then when he goes out to the parking lot, um, he uh, so so he leaves. Um, the p- police arrive almost immediately, and when they review the security camera footage, they see um, a thin man with a full beard, cowboy hat, wearing sunglasses and gloves, and he keeps his head down, tipped down perfectly enough so the entire time, so his face is obscured, they can't get any, like, defining features from his face. Um, and uh, of course, he doesn't fidget, so they they immediately are like, oh, this guy's a professional, he's done this before. Yeah. There's no fidgeting, there's no nervousness at all. And when he um, goes out to his brown 1975 Pontiac Grand Prix in the parking lot, he drives away normally, like anyone else would. So there's no, they say that normally bank robbers will peel out or drive away fast and, and then drive through a red light and just try to get away as fast as they can. Yeah. And that's what makes eyewitnesses notice and then write your license plate number down. Right. Um, so no, of course, none of that happened. He just drove away. Um, so there were no eyewitnesses. Um, <clears throat> so not only are the police stuck with no leads, but they realize that this is someone who knows exactly what they're doing. Um, and so here, here is a clip of that footage from that robbery. Oh man, his gloves and his, <laughs> his big old hat. Okay, so seven months later, in December of 1991, the same mysterious man hits another bank in Irving. This time, it's Savings of America. Love it. No, no one, no one's there. Do they have really bad rates or something? <laughs> uh, again. The bearded, sunglassed, cowboy-hatted man passes a note to the teller. Um, this time he makes off with $1,258. But a witness sees him drive out of the parking lot and does write down the license plate number. Nosy. Right. Why? I know. But out. Why did they write it down? Um, I, I don't... They, 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 it must oh, have been yeah. someone from inside the bank that like ran Got forward it. is my personal theory. That's it. But that's, we don't know. Skip and I don't know. So <laughs> the police get the license. They trace it immediately to a house that's actually right close to the bank. So they speed over there. Um, when they get there, they find an old lady sitting in her living room who says, I haven't left the house all day. Uh-oh. And, uh, or I haven't left the house all day. Get out. <laughs> it's probably more like it, right? Yeah. Um, so once they go outside, they see that the old lady's red sh- um, Chevrolet is missing its license, one license plate. Oh. Uh, I wanted the old lady to be the bank robber so bad just now. <laughs> I was here for that. <laughs> so a month later in January of 1992, the robber strikes again. And this time it's at the Texas Heritage Bank in Garland. Um, he uses the exact same MO. This time he leaves with $3,000. He strikes a fourth time in May of 1992 at the Nation's Bank in Mesquite. Um, <laughs> They're all over there. <laughs> this time the teller puts the cash together, but um, as the teller tries to put the, ca- the cash together, he tries to sneak a dye pack into the, the wad of cash. Dude, don't be a hero. Um, <laughs> the robber clocks it. And takes it out and hands it back to the teller and walks away. 
That's so much more creepy than if he'd like punched him in the face or whatever. Yeah, no. Just like, you can go ahead and keep that. Yeah. Um, Here's your chain. <laughs> Ow. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> so this time he makes off with $5,317. So the FBI agent assigned to this case is a man named Steve Powell. And he's going crazy because he's like, shit, we can't get this guy. Um and he can't figure out who this, as I wrote, smooth-ass bank robber is. <laughs> so until they can identify him, he decides to give the bank robber the nickname Cowboy Bob. Um, so four months um, after that last hit, in September of 1992, Cowboy Bob robs the first Gibraltar bank in Mesquite, um, taking $1,700. And the police get the license plate number and track the car um, and... Uh, with FBI, with FBI agents following closely behind them. But once again, they track the plates to a nearby resident who then realizes his own plates have been stolen. Mm. So it's the exact same thing. So um, <clears throat> as they're investigating that robbery, um, they police get a call from Mesquite's first interstate bank a mile away saying Cowboy Bob has just come through and stolen a whopping $13,706. He's like, finally, I got a fucking payday. For real. He keeps on getting these tellers who had just dropped everything yeah. down the little the little forever tube. And so he's like, <laughs> oh, I got a lazy one that didn't cash out. Um, and it, that was his biggest hit, yeah. So according to the teller, Cowboy Bob was so pleased with the amount of money that he got on this one that he tipped his hat to her as he walked away. Damn! Yeah, because he's Texas. a classy motherfucker, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so in just a year and a half, Cowboy Bob has stolen a total of twenty about $26,000 from six different banks around the Dallas area, the larger area. Mm-hmm. Um, so the FBI wonder if they're dealing with a criminal mastermind and if they'll ever be able to catch him. Or if it's just someone who lazy who doesn't want to get a job because it's not that much money. <laughs> yeah. It's like what you'd make in a year, dude. Right. Um, so witness... Uh, so, so on this, on that last hit, a witness has taken, again, taken down the license plate number. Um, so this time police trace it to a man named Pete Tallis who works at, um, a Ford auto parts factory in Carrollton. So. You said Mesquite. You already cheered for, <laughs> you can't cheer for two different places. But they're, both of those cities are amazing in different ways. Okay. Um. So when they go talk to Pete, he says, yes, that is, I own a brown 1975 Pontiac Grand Prix, yes. Um, But I gave it to my mom and my sister because they didn't have enough money to get a car of their own. Um, And when they tell Pete that the Grand Prix has just been used in a bank robbery, Pete says, bullshit, that car can't go fast enough. (laughs) Okay. So... He's right. I mean, he's right. Um, So the police... Um, get Pete's mom and sister's address and they head over to the apartment complex where they live and in the parking lot when they pull in they spot Cowboy Bob's car um, the Brown Grand Prix and so they huddle up and they start discussing what they should do and so they're like this is obviously where he's holed up mm-hmm. and now we have to make our plan and they're talking about should we just bust down the door you like storm in and catch him because we could catch him with the money mm-hmm. um, or do we slow play it they're trying to figure it out 
and they see a woman walk um, out of the apartment and up toward the car. And she's wearing shorts and a t-shirt. And they're like, oh, I bet you that's Cowboy Bob's girlfriend. So they they decide she gets in the car and drives away. So they let her drive off. Mm-hmm. And they decide what they're going to do is Agent Powell is going to stop her around the corner so Cowboy Bob can't see them talking from the apartment. So they wait until she's like a little farther away and they pull the car over. And inside, that's where they meet Peggy Jo Tallis. So she politely introduces herself. She explains, yes, the car is hers. She got it from her brother. um, And that they ask her, have you used it at any time today? And she goes, yeah, I just got up. I went out and picked up some fertilizer earlier this morning. Mm -mm. And um, so... Agent Powell and his team search the trunk. They do find a bag of fertilizer in the trunk. Um, so, and then he asks if they can search her apartment. And she says, you, I mean, there's nothing in there but my mom, who's like an old kind of sick lady. Um, but they're like, that's fine. Let's check it out. So at the apartment, the officers ring the doorbell and Peggy's, Peggy Joe's mom, Helen, um, answers the door and then is shocked as a team of FBI agents and police officers storm past her with the guns drawn Dude. and go into the apartment. Um, but once they get there, they just see that it's this really neat, tidy apartment that the two ladies live in together. And there's nothing, no cowboy bob, no piles of money, nothing. So... They kind of, they're looking around. They go into Peggy Joe's bedroom. They think maybe they're hiding, like if it is her boyfriend that she's hiding him right. somewhere in the closet or whatever. Um, but no, they just see that her bed is nicely made and they open the closet and all her clothes are very perfectly ironed and hung up. And it's like, oh yeah, we really got this wrong. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, an officer notices a styrofoam mannequin head up on the shelf in the closet with a fake beard pinned no. to it. Uh-huh. Okay. And then next to that, a cowboy hat. God. And then they check under Peggy Joe's bed, and it's there's a bag full of cash under there. So... Is it okay that I'm mad at them for not hiding that shit better? Yes. <laughs> Get... Like, pull up some floorboards yeah. and shove your shit under there. Ceiling. Move Come a on. ceiling thing. <clears throat> so... Basically, then Officer Powell turns to Peggy Joe and starts asking her, sorry, how, what is this stuff and why do you have it in your room? And as she's, um, as he's talking to her, he notice, he notices that she's got a little bit of, um, fake beard glue no. on top of her no. lip. And it turns out Cowboy Bob no. is Peggy Joe Tallis. Peggy! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> What a twist. (laughs) And he's like, her? She fucking, (laughs) she's the one that's been beating me this whole time. Oh, wait. The the lip glue part is like too good to be true. Isn't it the best? Yeah. Where he's kind of like, so anyway, what's, why do you have the, hold on a second. Oh my God. I want to see it all line up for him in like a movie. (laughs) So wait, let's take it. Where in the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. There she is. Okay. The little girl or the mom? <laughs> yep, that's her. She's eight years old and she loves money. <laughs> yeah, That's Peggy Joe up there. Peggy. That's her niece, I believe. I mean, don't do crimes, but if but you're going to do it, be cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, he, Agent Powell arrests Peggy Joe. They bring her down to the station. So, they're stunned to find that this polite 
very pretty, seemingly very standardly normal woman has been the man robbing banks and stymieing the cops and the FBI for a year and a half. Um, when they ask Peggy Joe why she did it, she doesn't say anything. And um, she also doesn't really talk to her defense attorney. Hmm. All she'll say is that she robbed the first bank to help pay for her sick mother's medication for the degenerative bone disease mm. that she has. And that, um, what, but then when they ask her why she kept on doing it, she just stares at the wall and shrugs. Like she stares away. Oh, honey. <laughs> so in court, the judge takes into consideration that Peggy Joe was never violent in any of these crimes. Um, and she never used a weapon. She never brandished a weapon, uh, never threatened anybody you and seemed. Just, you can rob a bank by just being like, I want things. Yes. What? Yes. I feel like we shouldn't be telling everyone that. I mean, because if you don't know by now, come on. <laughs> yeah, and they have to give it to you. You're going to get caught because they have yeah. everything, but but you can. Um, uh, she never used a weapon, and other than that, she seemed to be a mild-mannered, law-abiding citizen, so she is given a 33-month sentence. Wow. And the first, anyone that's never had a child, that's two and a half years in jail. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, he's he's 54 months old. Really? I don't... You do the fucking math for me. I came over here to visit you. <laughs> Clearly, I have a very specific idea in mind. Peggy Jo serves her time without complaint. She doesn't... Her, when her friends go to visit her in jail, she won't talk about having done it. She just is like, how are you? What's going on with you? And kind of is just like not talking about it. Yeah. And then when she's released, um, she all she says about it is that she assures her family and friends that she won't ever do anything like that again. I pinky swear I won't rob a fucking bank again. I promise that I won't... <laughs> I won't commit a felony ever again in a wig, mask, cowboy hat, and posing as a man. <clears throat> um, when she gets out, she's approached by a true crime author about collaborating to write her story and possibly turn it into a movie, yep. and she says no. Because she's the fucking coolest person of all oh time. Oh my god. She said she just wants to put the whole thing behind her, and she doesn't... She's like thinks that's lame. So... <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about who Peggy Jo Tallis is. Okay. Um, she was born in 1945, and she grows up the youngest of three children in Grand Prairie. Um, she's, she's a well-liked, spirited, free-spirited um, child, but when she's four years old, her father dies from cancer. So that's when her mother gets a job as a nurse's aide to support the family. So this is, I skipped this picture, but this is her as a kid. Um, so after the 10th grade, now we go through that. So, after the 10th grade, um, though, she drops out of school, explaining to her mom that there's too much else to do in life than waste her days sitting in school. Yes, girl, yes! <laughs> Fucking. Wow. When I was like, I remember in sixth grade, I, my desk was by the window, and all I would do is stare out the window and go, what are they all doing out there? I was obsessed yeah. with what the town did while we were in school. Like, all the adults are free to do whatever the fuck they yeah. want with no kids around. Do you ever still get that feeling when you're out, an adult out in the world? Yes. On, like, a Tuesday afternoon? Yeah. And you're just like, I can do whatever I want. No school! I don't have to go to school. Yes. I do it still. I'm 38. 
<laughs> I get I do get that every once in a while. Yeah. Pure gratitude. And yeah. I'll never have to do algebra again. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so um so she tells her friends and everyone knows this about her. She's clearly a free spirit and she is all about adventure. So she actually decides cuz it's like the early 70s, she decides to up and drive out to San Francisco to, to see quote to see what's going on out there. Okay. Um oh it's just a cultural revolution, Peggy Joe. <laughs> no big deal. So she gets out there um and when she comes back like a month or two later, I think it was, um She's got books by Lawrence Ferlinghetti. She's like into the beat poets and she's like, she's just all, all about that, um, kind of doing whatever you want, living your life. Um, so in her twenties, she gets her own apartment in North Dallas and she works as a receptionist. And at that job, she makes friends with a girl she works with named Cherry Young. And so the two spend evenings going out to bars and concerts and basically looking for more adventure. And, Peggy Jo tells Cherry she doesn't really have any career goals at all. She doesn't really care about having a career. She's not interested in getting married. She doesn't care about having kids. All she wants to do is have adventures. Mm. Um, so she basically says her plan is to work just enough to pay the bills um, and then have a little bit left over to go out and have fun. This is literally me until I was 29 years old. Hell yeah. And accidentally got a, like, got a cool job. <laughs> I know. <laughs> We're kind of doing it right now. <laughs> Don't tell them. Don't tell them. No, no. We basically robbed a bank. That's okay. <laughs> but you gave us the money so nicely. <laughs> it seemed like you were really voluntary about it. So thank you for being a part of our of this emotional felony. Um, okay. She was obsessed with the movie Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh, yeah. She saw it a bunch of times. And if you don't know, because you're a millennial, that is a beautiful and amazing Paul Newman and fucking Robert Redford movie about those two um, bandits who, uh, at the end of the movie, they go and re-rob the same train that they've already robbed and therefore draw, basically get into this huge gunfight. And at the very end, don't spo- tell them. spoiler alert, they jump off a cliff. So... <laughs> Uh, but definitely go see it. Wait, you're thinking of um, Thelma and Louise. Oh, shit. <clears throat> so this is a quote from Skip's article from Cherry uh, talking about her friend Peggy Joe. Quote, she told me she was saving a little so that she could someday go to Mexico, just live on a beach in a hacienda and wear bathing suits night and day. She was beautiful and she was rambunctious. And she told me, um, and she always told me that deep down she was wild at heart. Great. Uh, and that was very true because one night Peggy Joe and Cherry got into a fight at a restaurant. They were like out for the night in Fort Worth and right. You guys know what it's like to party in Fort Worth oh. so much that you fight with your friend <laughs> and walk away. I have to say, sorry, but I ate like I ate an apple before we came out here. Uh-huh. I noticed I that. Can't I can't like... stop spitting. I'm <laughs> spitting so much. Guys in the back, trust me on this. I'm spitting. Okay. Okay. So they get into a fight in Fort Worth at this uh, bar restaurant in Fort Worth, Fort Worth, and then they both walk away from each other really fast. And Cherry just kind of like walks in one direction, and Peggy Joe walks out into the parking lot, and there's a truck sitting there with the keys and ignition. She just gets into it and no. drives away. Yes, yes, that's what she's like. Wow, she's my fucking hero. So when <laughs> she she gets arrested for that, she actually gets um. <laughs> The police chase her. You can't do that. You can't take that guy's truck. He won't have it. Not in Fort Worth. Mm -mm. Um, 
She gets arrested. She's given five months probation for that. Um, so sometime in the mid-70s, she meets a man, uh, and he lives in a different town. And um, she, fall, she falls in love with him, and it, it's like he's the one. So one day she goes to meet him, and she goes to see him in that town. And when she gets there, she sees his car on the street. And so she thinks, oh, yeah, here he is. I'm going to go see and gets out of her car and walks over. And as she's walking toward the car, she sees a woman go get into the car herself. And she walks up and goes, what are you doing? And she goes, well, I'm getting into my husband's car. And that's how she finds out this motherfucker was married the whole time. Fucking married men. What a crock of shit. Okay. <laughs> Just keep that in mind, youngsters, please. Mm. Please. I'm begging you. Um, after that, she decides, she tells Cherry, I'm fucking never doing that again. Like, I'm never going to be hurt again. And she decides she's just going to spend time with her family and take care of her mother, um, who had just been diagnosed with that bone disease. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's this. That's this. Oh, that's her later. Damn. Shit, sorry. Um, Got it. So, okay. So... It, when Peggy Jo is in her 40s, um, she gets a really bad back injury. Um, and then a little bit after that, she's forced to have an emergency mastectomy. Really? So that's when she realized, like after that, those kind of really um, scary, life-threatening um, situations, she realizes that she hasn't really done as much as she's wanted to do with her life. Mm-hmm. And she always thought, I'll do it. I'll do it later. I want to have an adventure. I want to be that kind of person, but I'll do, I have to do it later. Right. Um, and now she's in her 40s realizing that she doesn't make enough money. Her mom doesn't make enough with Social Security for them to cover these medical bills and the cost of living. And that's when the string of bank robberies begins. Yeah. <clears throat> it all comes together in the perfect storm of and a fake beard um <laughs> so now we go back to the present after she's been arrested so they release her from jail um uh and um they move she moves at, so basically she just has to get out of town because the neighbors are talking about her and it's like how did you hear peggy joe <laughs> um so <laughs> peggy joe's cowboy bob <laughs> Um, she moves her mom into a, t- a small two-bedroom house in Garland um, to get away, and uh, she becomes a cashier at the Harbor Bay Marina at Lake Ray Hubbard. So apparently everyone there loves her. She's the coolest person ever. She um, Anybody that, that they interview for this article, they just have nothing but nice things to say about her. Mm-hmm. She's kind. She's a model employee. Um, she even uses her own money to help poorer customers pay for whatever they're trying to buy, um, bait and whatnot, you know, stuff, (laughs) stuff you buy at the lake, the necessities. Mm -hmm. Um, she works all day and then she goes home and tends to her mother at night. Um, and in 2002, her mother, Helen passes away at the age of 83. So in spring of 2004, um, Peggy decides she's going to get that adventure that she had been looking for. And she buys herself an RV because a guy at the marina is selling his RV for $5,900. And uh, so she's like, I got some cash hidden away under my beard. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> Did she? Okay. So and I don't know if that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure they seized all the sure. money they could. But I would hope that she would stick some like in the bathroom yeah. back under a tampon box or somewhere. They wouldn't wor- look. Now now everyone knows where to look in your house with a break <laughs> <right>. in. <laughs> Just all sorts of, there's no tampons, but there's tons of cash. It's all fives. <laughs> um, 
So her plan is she's going to save up a little bit more money and a little time, and then she's finally going to go and move down to Mexico and live on the beach like she's always wanted to do all her mm-hmm. life. And she tells a friend she wants to do it now, quote, before life runs out on her. Oy. So she sells off her furniture. She moves out of the house in Garland and she starts living in that RV. So she's basically like, I'm going to get a little more money yeah. before I go. And in the late summer of 2004, she hits the road. She doesn't tell anyone where she's going or if she plans on coming back. She doesn't, you know, the family, her older sister died of cancer also. So she really doesn't have much family left except for her brother, Pete. Um, and she just kind of is like, um, peace, I'm doing this thing. Do you think she was mad at him for accidentally turning her in in the first place <laughs> with the car thing? Remember? Uh, that doesn't seem to be what Peggy Joe's like. <laughs> no. Cool. Um, so no one really knows where she is for the next couple months, but they say they spot her. They spot the RV in different places around town. And she's oftentimes camping out, like at lakes and in camping areas, just chilling out in the RV. She likes to have a smoke every once in a while. Um, so in October 2004, an older man in a dark floppy hat, baggy clothes and gloves, robs the Guarantee Bank on the south side of the city. What? But gets away without a trace. And one teller tells the FBI agent that's investigating that she was surprised that when the man spoke, he had such a high-pitched voice. Shut your face. She promised everyone she wouldn't do it again when she got out. <laughs> Sorry, she's a free spirit. Um, but at this point, Agent Steve Powell is retired. He, he lives on his ranch, and it, he's the only one that would know what that yeah. meant. Yeah. And all the new younger, the young guns are like, all right, cool, we're looking for a guy with a high voice. Let's do this. <laughs> So through late 2004 and early 2005, her um, Peggy Joe's family only hears from her from time to time from payphones around the city. Um, and then on Thursday, May 5th, 2005, Peggy Joe Tallis puts on a black, a big Wait, black. That's today. Whoa! Oh my God! <laughs> oh, happy Cinco de Mayo, happy everybody! Shit, we dropped that ball. We really did. See, that's. do you see the noise you were making and yeah. how weird that is out of the blue to us? That's why I was like, they're ooing something. Yeah. They fit, so it's yeah. kind of a good thing. I was like, someone puked again. Well, we're just going to have to get through it. Snap, 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 <laughs> snap, snap. No, someone puked a date out of their <laughs> mouth. It was amazing. Here, I'll, I'll say that again the way I should have. Okay. And then... On Thursday, May 5th, Uh, 2005. Peggy Jo Tallis puts on a big black straw hat and a large pair of sunglasses. She parks her RV in a jack-in-the-box parking lot across from that same guarantee bank that she that had just been robbed the previous October, and she walks inside. She asks the teller to hand over the cash, and she walks out like she's done so many times before. But this time, she does not notice the die pack that the teller puts into the cash. And as she gets outside, that die pack explodes red ink all over her, and the puff of red smoke goes up into the air. It's like an arrow pointing at her. For real. It's a cursor. Um, so she basically tries to like speed walk with red, oh, with red smoke coming out from behind and her. Dollar bill, yeah. dollar bills trailing after my money. Oh my god! Um, 
What a bummer. That's trailing behind her. So now witnesses see a person walking out of a bank with red dye all over the place. And they're like, do, 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 do. Um, <laughs> everybody calls the cops. The cops are already in the neighborhood because they have been investigating the bank robberies that have been happening in that area. Um, and so they immediately are there and they basically get to that Jack in the Box parking lot as Peggy Joe is pulling out in the RV. So now we are in a low speed police <laughs> pursuit. <laughs> Holy shit! Because it's a fucking RV. <laughs> okay. So, um, this RV cannot even reach the speed limit when she gets onto the highway. Oh, no. Like, the minimum limit. So, she starts, she tries to get on the highway to get away. It's not happening. So, she pulls off and goes into a residential area. She's like, side streets. Yes. Wait. Uh, I'll lose them in this humongous, <laughs> giant, two-story car. Uh. <laughs> so, pretty soon, the police are able to box her in and surround the vehicle. And, of course, they're like, you're surrounded. Come out with your hands up. They don't know who's in this car this RV. Oh, they don't know it's her. They have no idea. And th there were theories that there were gangs going around and robbing these banks and there were people working in teams. Mm. So they're like, well, if, if it's oh. an RV, there a bunch of people are in there. Yeah. Probably. Um, so uh, Peggy Jo stands up, she pulls the curtains and she goes and sits back at the table and she fucking smokes a cig and tries to make a decision about what she's going to do. It's important to have a curtains and a table in your car. That's right. So you can think. And convenient, yet so good for thinking. Yeah. Um, then she played, she played solitaire. <laughs> <laughs> All the stuff people do in RVs. <clears throat> Thought. Um, so nothing happens for like 10 minutes. And of course the cops are like, come out with the hands. It's getting like more and more tense. So what she finally makes, she puts out her cigarette and she makes her decision. She goes into her bedroom and she picks up a toy gun. What? And she walks out. Uh, to the front of the RV and opens the door. Smoke one more cigarette and think about that for a little longer. Oh. 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 Which one are you going to? That's video of it happening. Holy that shit. That was on the news. So that's her leaning out of the RV door talking to the cops. <clears throat> as a woman? Or like, did she take off her? Yeah, okay. as herself. Okay. She took off. I think she has, the hat is on. Like, that's and the floppy glasses. hat and the sunglasses. Okay. But... Okay. She wasn't passing them notes or anything. She was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's me. Um, so the police are shocked to see a 60-year-old woman standing in the doorway of the, of the bank robber sure. gang RV. Um, <clears throat> and they, she says to them, you're going to have to kill me. And they say, we're not going to do that. Just put, put the gun down and come out. That doesn't have to be that way. Mm -hmm. And she says to them, quote, you mean to tell me if I come out of here with a gun and point it at y'all, you're not going to shoot me. And the cop that's closest to her says, do not raise that gun. Please just put it down and come out. She doesn't, she steps out and raises the gun <gasps> and Peggy Joe Tallis is shot four times and killed on sight. Oh my God. Then the police throw a can of tear gas into the RV, getting ready for the fucking bank robbery gang that they think is having their grandma drive them around in an Holy RV. Shit. <clears throat> they're, a they're prepped for accomplices yeah. as well. They should be, but instead they find the empty RV, the snubbed out cigarette. And when they go into her bedroom, they find her 357 Magnum that she actually owned that she left inside. Wow. So 
The FBI, rec- they, all those agents that were there do the record check. They realize that the dead woman is no, un- is none other than Peggy Joe Tallis, Cowboy Bob. So they call agent Steve Powell, retired agent Steve Powell, and leave him a message saying we have some bad news for you. And when, saying they have some bad news about his old nemesis. And when he calls back, he just says, say it isn't so. <gasps> do you think they had fallen in love Maybe way back? lightly. <laughs> yes. Right? Right? Wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, because that's why would you be so passionate to to catch somebody? Yeah. When it was like, oh my god. And then he's also questioning his sexuality, which is hot. Yeah. Maybe I like beards. He thinks to himself yeah. secretly. What? I never knew that about myself. Right. And then he sees the glue on the, her upper lip. And, and then he's, he's like, like, I'm into glue. Yeah. That's what I like. I love sniffing glue. I've never been able to really. Oh my god. <laughs> so. Uh, this is a this is a quote from Skip's article from her friend Cherry again. Quote: I might cry during this. Okay. Sometimes I can't get over the sadness that she's gone, but then I think about her walking out of that bank, sixty years old, that bag full of money, and I have to say that she went out doing what she loved. <laughs> <laughs> Robbing fucking banks. Robbing fucking banks. What the fuck? We'll never understand it, but she was doing what she loved. I wish I could write her a note and say, good for you, my sweet peg, good for you. I tell you, this is my favorite person of all fucking time. When I tell you, because listen, and I think we all know this, it's kind the way this society is set up is kind of a scam in lots of different ways, especially the banking system. And <laughs> so the medical the, fucking system. The medical system, the banking system, the invisibility of women over the age of 20 fucking seven. That's right. The whole fucking thing. It goes Why not? Up. All the way to the top. <laughs> if you can fucking listen, if you can take advantage of the things that normally oppress you and turn them around and get $3,473 every once in a while. Without hurting anyone. Without hurting anyone, without threatening anyone, yeah. without making it traumatic in any way. Right. You fucking get that paper, girl. <laughs> All right. Just saying. I'm very inspired. Just saying. Are we bank robbers now? I mean... We'd have to think of something different because Peggy already did it, but <laughs> and we just told everyone we're gonna... <laughs> they wouldn't tell on us. <laughs> they won't tell. Um, okay, so then I searched our email and found an email that yes. someone wrote into us. Yes, yes, yes. And it starts like this: "Dear all, or should I say, y'all?" Um, <laughs> Long-time listener, first time to get my lazy ass to finally write this email. Honestly, I can't believe I did it on a Monday, but here we are. <laughs> is, this from, is this from her, from Peggy Jo? Oh. Like, it sounds like her already. Uh, I grew up in a small town in North Texas called Rockwall. It's, <laughs> it sits on the outskirts of Dallas and is surrounded by a very large man-made lake that is used on the reg for speedboats, fishing, jet skiing, etc. There are a few marinas along the water's bank, uh, but one was the most popular, mainly because the woman, Peggy, who ran the bait and convenience shop located on site was pretty legit. She was pleasant, friendly, and would even spot you if you were a little short on docking fees. Oh, my God. 
Mostly the younger crowd populated this location as it was also easy at the time to score some cheap beers, although we were underage. <laughs> so fucking Piggy yeah. Joe's like, you can have it. Go ahead. Smoke, smoke. Smoke. Don't tell your mother it was from me. Uh, flash forward a number of years, and my boyfriend, who was a habitual wakeboarder <laughs> and was on the lake daily, received a text from an old friend mentioning that old Peggy Joe from the marina had died. Well, she didn't just die. She was shot and killed by the FBI. <laughs> Little did anyone know, Peggy Joe Tallis was another character that was well-known in the eyes of the law. And she basically goes on and explains... Word for word, exactly what I've just said. Um, And basically, it ends with, it's inevitably she died at the scene, which uh, was discovered after the handgun was a child's toy. Mm. And all the, it's very sad because also all the cops uh, and the agents that were there, uh, they were like, there was nothing that indicated that that gun was a toy at all. You know, sometimes they have like the orange safety caps and shit like that. They were, I mean, it was a lot of them were super fucked up about that whole thing. She did it's it was suicide by cop yeah, i mean that's clearly not fucking she was cool. like i'm fucking butch cassidying this thing yeah. um and it was her choice to do so uh and the last line is pretty, pretty crazy shit for a small texas town but then again i guess sometimes that's the best place to hide <laughs> i hope to make it to the austin show in november oh. jk jk just saw it's already sold out <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wish we could go back in time and like give her a ticket. <laughs> SSDGM page. Page. Um, and that is the insane story of the bank robber, Peggy Joe Tallis. Wow. Fucking lover. Epic. So good. Epic. Amazing. Great job. Thank you. I, I know that one wasn't like, I usually like to do a lot more jokes, but fucking, yeah. I don't know. I just think that's so, there's something about that story that's so awesome. It's like a person, like it's never, it's not over. You can, you know, try not to do felonies and stuff, but you can, <laughs> you can do whatever you want at any stage of life you want. You, you fucking can, do it. You can reinvent yourself. You can reinvent yourself. Or you cannot reinvent yourself and do what you love to do in your 20s, even yes. in your 60s. Yes. Rob Banks. Why fucking not? Boom. Karen. Boom, that's that. You delivered. I feel like everyone was on the edge of their seat. I had never heard that story before, so it was still one of my favorites. I'm so, I can't believe we never posted that whole episode. I'm so glad we get to bring, breathe life back into that. We can't. Look, these these quilts are more than just. That's right. um, Me needing to have a vacation in Ventura and not. It's not just vacation. (laughs) It's actually. (laughs) uh, All right. And then for the hometown, what should we do? Now, the hometown is going to be from a show that we did in December 8th of 2017. So if you were at the St. Louis, Missouri show that we did at the Powell Symphony Hall, you will remember this story that Mindy told us. How funny is it that she was pregnant and now her kid is three or four? I don't know, math is a toddler. Four years old. Thank you. That's crazy. All right. Going to be four this year. Oh, my God. And in the 90th percentile. (laughs) We're guessing. So enjoy this story from Mindy. Oh, let's tell them about this. Oh, yes. Okay. So we, I was going to, for a little while, gonna, I I wanted my big thing to be that I was going to buy a blouse in the casino 
clothing store. <laughs> you know, they always have those or like, they're just like three things of each color. Like, come on, if you spilled something on your top, come in here and get some. So I went in there, I was positive I was going to do it. And the only black shirt they had, had these big white rings that were cut through so that your skin would show. <laughs> I was like, I simply can't do that. <laughs> but then we just started actually shopping around the store and they had some, they had some pretty good stuff. So we were like, okay, we're going to do, we're going to do a hometown. Let's get this insane gift for the hometown person. Yeah. We got a little hometown murder prize. Here, I'll model it for the front while you tell them what it is. Um, this is a gorgeous piece. Piece. This is probably from the 1600s, I would think. Um, real diamonds, real diamonds, uh-huh. and uh, probably jade. Uh-huh. Also, what's nice is that the actual ring uh, finger part is uh, its stretchy like a watch, so yeah. it's going to fit anybody. And essentially, it's an octopus with uh, diamond-encrusted arms holding a fish with a diamond eye. Oh. It's classic. It's beautiful. Also, We're going to start the bidding at $2. <laughs> the best thing about it is the fish is screaming in terror. His mouth is open is. and his eye is this big. Poor guy. This is a, this is a violent moment captured in jade. <laughs> And we can't wait to give it to whoever has. Now, let me tell you really quickly oh, yeah. the rules of hometown. This just we've developed over the live shows. You've heard, hear, heard me say this if you've ever listened to a live show. You can't be so drunk that you lose your place in your own story. It's we love if you're drunk and God bless. But it, this is uh, you got to deliver the narrative. It's important, beginning, middle, end. Um, it's good that it's from St. Louis, so everybody can know it and have fun with it. Or Miz- I think Missouri and John, like close by. Close by. Certainly don't go out of state. Um, what was the third one? Um, you know, just give it your all. Give it, give it a kidding. go. Just that kidding. That was it. Just kidding. And don't it's you're it. on the, tr- you're on the, s- oh yeah. It's your thing. Georgia's been picking some great ones lately, so don't let her down. <laughs> okay, who has a hometown? Uh, I'm gonna just, yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go over to Vince right there. What's exciting about this is that she's already won that ring. Yeah. That I, ring is yours. You can start planning outfits around it now. <laughs> Just as you walk, think about what so you're going to wear. Here and there. I absolutely should have chosen someone. I pick someone. up the pace. Go there. Wait. <laughs> go over there to the... Oh, are there steps? <laughs> oh, they're taking photos with Vince. <laughs> It's fucking mayhem in here. Yeah. Um, I, sh- yeah, I should have in- invited someone closer to the... Oh! There's a lit sign up there. Oh. Whoa! I don't have my glasses. Says, what does that I say? I almost got murdered. <laughs> oh, shit. There's a light-up sign in the very back that says, I almost got murdered. Oh, no. Yeah. Fuck. Let's send this girl out. Okay, here she comes. You should bring that everywhere you go. (laughs) I would. Hi. Hi. Hi, what's your name? Mindy. Mindy, everybody. It's great. How are you? Good. Are you mad at me? <laughs> no. Okay. I'm really happy. Okay. Also, I'm pregnant. You guys always talk about pregnant people. Yay! 
I thought I didn't want to say anything, yeah. but when you were walking up the aisle and you were like, "Hurry up!" and I wanted to be like, I think "No, she's I wore pregnant. this really awesome shirt that my husband bought me it's for adorable. our two-year anniversary." Yay! It because says, we really like Star Wars. It's, yes. it says it's no moon. Okay, I'm glad yes. you're actually pregnant. That's no moon. <laughs> awesome. Um, Mindy, where are you from? Um, I'm actually from Creefcore. Okay. What's that? It's, What's that? It's local. It's um, about 15 minutes down 40 from here. It's real Free close. Creve Creefcore. It's West County. Will you spell it? <laughs> C-R-E-V-E-C-O-E-U-R. I have to picture wow. it. Wow. Yeah. Something hard? Some- so it's... In St. Louis, we have this thing... Let her tell it. ...where there's all kinds of um, French words that we say wrong. Oh, nice. We love that. <laughs> so it should be crevcore, meaning broken heart, but oh. but we say crevcore because that's how we do. Well, good. Yeah. We, support, we support that 100%. <laughs> so I, um, I'm here with my sister-in-law who came all the way from Vegas. Whoa! And her friend who's my friend now, Kat... And they're, they're sitting right behind your uncle. We're sitting behind your uncle. <laughs> Thanks for taking care of him. Um, what's your murder? Okay, so... <laughs> or do is, you want to talk about your family more? <laughs> I mean, no. It's, it also happened in Creefcore. Okay. And so when I was in second grade, I was friends with this girl, and I'm going to not say her real name because she's a real person. So I'll just call her Julie. And uh, so Julie and I were real tight. We're hanging out all the time. She was real... Um, she was a real quirky girl. She liked NASA. I thought she was going to be an astronaut. She's not, but anyway. (laughs) So, um... So I was always going to her house, and she had this um, house that my pa- my parents called it the compound, because her um, mom lived there and both of her grandparents, and then her mom's friend. Uh-oh. And okay, so it's 1987, so 80s, and not a lot of people were divorced then. So I'm like, Mom, what's up with you know what? Who's the friend? And <laughs> my mom's like, Oh, don't worry about it. But I kept asking about it. I'm like seven years old, and finally she's like, Okay, Mindy, um, she doesn't have a dad, so that's her mom's boyfriend. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, where's her dad? And my mom's like. Okay, Mindy. <laughs> You're her, seven. You're old enough to know. <laughs> yeah. She was like, uh, her grandpa killed her dad. Oh. And I was like, with the, the grandpa that he's at the house. And I'm always there and we're hanging out. <laughs> and she had these, it was one of these amazing families where you'd go there and there was always a project. Like we would, for her birthday, I would like sit on her grandpa's lap and he would help me iron these bows that we were making. And you know, those big 80s bows you wore in your hair with the headbands. Mm-hmm. And so we would be doing this and I'm hanging out with her grandpa and I'm like, oh, okay, this like murdering isn't that big a deal because I'm hanging out with him. <laughs> and so... Anyhow, um, and like her mom would sit at the piano and they would all sing together Ooh. and it was like, Mm-mm. so I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so the, I'm creating this like, this very happy family picture, right? And I'm like, it's only the grandpa, like fine, whatever. And so, um, <laughs> seven year old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, a couple nights ago, I knew I was coming here. So I was like, parents, I'm like, you need to get this story straight. And my dad's a lawyer and he's like, okay, so here's the real deal. What happened was when Julie was five, she started reporting to her mom and grandparents that she was being sexually abused by what was her, um, divorced dad and the the mom and the grandparents were like well we can't have this but they 
80s, couldn't do anything about it, so he still had these visitation rights, whatever. So they planned this thing where when he came back, they were in the kitchen, and the grandpa stabbed him, in my dad's words, probably a bunch of times, <laughs> with a kitchen knife. Oh my god. We're not done yet. <laughs> because then, the whole family, probably not including Julie, <laughs> together and they chop him up into little pieces. What? <laughs> I told you the piano thing, red flag. <laughs> I told you. You're pushing it, you're pushing it, you're trying to put this show and, on. Yeah. So they chop him up into little pieces, they put him in a bag and we were talking about this in the car, we decided he had to be chopped into little pieces because he might not have fit in the bag they had specifically picked. Oh my so God. then they drive out on like family road trip to St. Charles, you guys know, <laughs> which by the way is where I work, and they drive out to St. Charles, they find like a back road, and they just bury him there, and then they go about living their lives, <laughs> and one day some guy, and I guess he was like a hunter with a dog or something, and he found the body and calls the police and they put this all together and they figure out this this is Julie's dad and so they show up at the compound which is just our name for it but they show up there and they are like what has happened here and the whole family is like we have no idea what you're talking about and so but they're British it's a British family <laughs> oh, they, they just became British <laughs> Just and for that moment. So my, according to my dad, who knows this from like lawyers and other lawyers, whatever. Apparently, they like systematically would pull like each member of the family and jail them for forty-eight hours and like grill them. Nobody would break. Wow. Everybody had no idea what happened. So they would do this for months and months. Like they would hide this from Julie somehow. And so this went. This happened started when she was five. We're the same age. So seven, second grade. It's still happening. Like the whole family's still living in the house. They're still the police are stalking and bothering them all the time. They can't get anything out of them. And like my dad, meanwhile, is going to these lawyer like corporate parties. He sees her grandparents and her parent there. They're all hanging out. I'm going there all the time. It turns out my parents know that this family like chopped this guy up and buried him somewhere and they're like sending me over there all the time. It sounds like a really safe place, honestly. Well, like no one's going to fuck with you. It actually sounds like the safest place yeah. a little girl could be. Yeah. Oh, we're, yeah, we're getting to that. So then, so I guess at some point, um, her grandpa decided that he would um, agree to, he's like, I didn't do it, but I'm going to plead to second degree murder mm -hmm. so that you'll leave my family alone. So they came to some agreement that if he was there in jail for seven years, then when it was all over, they would leave the whole family alone. And at that point, Julie switched schools and just, we didn't see them anymore. And I'm like, I go to college, I come back, I'm waitressing at Cecil Whitaker's Pizza. And... <laughs> Um, and I, I wait on their family and it's the mom and the grandparents and obviously meanwhile like I don't know all that happened whatever and they're all happy and the mom's like trying to get me to take a class that she teaches and the grandparents are like updating me on Julie telling me how everything's going and everything is all good and so anyway so when I'm asking my parents about this I'm like wait 
You knew the whole thing when I was seven, and you sent me over there repeatedly. And they were like, well, we knew you'd be safe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 80s parents. (laughs) They were right. They have no shame. They don't even regret it. Oh, shit, Mindy. That was amazing. (laughs) Thanks. I don't mind a child molester getting chopped up. No. It's, we've heard much worse we've heard than so that. We've heard much worse than that. Hey, where's that ring? Oh, my God. Look oh. what you just get. Here. Okay, can you just describe what you're seeing to the people right now? I don't know if I could do a better job than you guys did. <laughs> okay, then see you later. <laughs> okay, it, it is like a lime green. <laughs> And it's almost as if this thing is wearing a... It's, oh, he's, he has the fish, but it looks like he's wearing the fish. It does look like a little fish ring. Maybe the fish is yeah. also a ring. Yeah, Aww. like the octopus is wearing a ring and so am I. Okay. <laughs> That's better than the fish I being like. killed. I like that. <laughs> Yay. Oh, thank you so thank much. You, that Mindy. was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You did such a good job. Mindy, everybody. That's how you do it. Thank you. Bye. All right. Thanks, Mindy. Way to go. And for our fucking hooray, we wanted to recognize and um, shout out and give some support to our Texas murderinos and everyone in Texas. Yeah, we know you guys down there are really going through uh, some really heavy shit. It's really heavy to see the news coming out of Texas. It's really horrible to see so many people stranded, abandoned, not have food, not have water. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just kind of insane and we're really feeling for you and especially because and we used to talk about this early days that texas murderinos showed up early and strong Mm -hmm. and they our network when they first started giving us the numbers and telling us like where where the big populations of murderinos were they were just like texas all over texas and we we were were like like, what what us really they don't hate our guts okay (laughs) and in fact you love us and we love you so we're going to donate ten thousand dollars to the texas relief fundraiser um so that you guys get taken care of um because you deserve it and in the name of we're going to donate that money in the name of the murderinos of texas yep so thanks you guys and we're thinking of you and fuck hold on tight and uh take care of each other yeah definitely yeah so Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Take care of yourself. It's uh, yep. bumpy out there. It's been a bumpy year, but look at you. You got through it. You are yes. s- still here a year later. And and can we're continuing on. Yeah, we're just going to keep plowing through because that's what we do, you know, and that's you'll find some light. Take that out. That. <laughs> You'll find some light at the end of your disgusting, <laughs> dark, ugly tunnel. <laughs> yeah, so take care of yourselves guys yep and stay sexy and don't get murdered goodbye Goodbye. elvis do you want a cookie